From Kindred Church, your inclusive church family. This podcast is a collection of sermons from our weekly worship services in Durham, North Carolina. Whatever your background is, wherever you are on your faith journey, we hope this message helps you take your next steps in response to God's unconditional love. Well, hello and welcome to Kindred Church. It's great to be with you. If we've not met before, my name is Daniel. I'm the pastor here. And if this is your very first time to tune in with us, we're so glad that you've joined us today. Our scripture reading comes to us from Colossians in the New Testament, Colossians chapter 3, and we're looking at verses 12 through 17. And it says this, Therefore, as God's choice, holy and loved, put on compassion and kindness and humility, gentleness and patience. Be tolerant with each other. And if someone has a complaint against anyone, forgive each other. As the Lord forgave you, so also forgive each other. And over all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. The peace of Christ must control your hearts, a peace into which you were called in one body. And be thankful, people. The word of Christ must live in you richly, Teach and warn each other with all wisdom by singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Whatever you do, whether in speech or action, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus and give thanks to God the Father through Him. This is the Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Uh, Well, today, uh, our friend Minoka Yance is back to preach for us. Um, Some of you know this already, but in case you don't, uh, Minoka is a graduate of Duke Divinity School here in Durham, and she's on staff at Duke Divinity School. And and Minoka um, volunteers her time and and her pastoral gifts for us at Kindred Church in a wide variety uh, of ways. And one of those ways is that she preaches for us from time to time, and it's always great when Minoka can be here uh, to preach. So I'm going to turn it over to her now as she concludes our series, God at Work at Work. You know, when Pastor Daniel asked me to preach for this series and he told me that it was about work, I was like, yes, I know about work. I've been working since I was 15. I normally have more than one job. I can certainly talk about work. Well, then he tells me that he'd like me to preach on work's limits and Sabbath. And I was like, ooh, Uh, I'm not exactly sure. I know about work's limits, but I'll try my best. All jokes aside, the opportunity to work is wonderful, and it's at its best when it derives from God. But work has to have its boundaries. So what would our lives look like if we intentionally set boundaries for our work in a proactive way instead of letting exhaustion or overwork set the boundary? We often don't talk about work's limits until we're at that point of desperation. And this can be where society's mark creeps into our lives. God doesn't intend for Sabbath to be just a little thing that we do, but a whole part of our life. And not to be just at the point of desperation, but embedded into what it means to be a Christian. Sabbath practices are not a lifeline but a protest against life's hustle and grind. You can think of it as a practice that allows God to enter into your life. It's not necessarily a thing that propels us to do more or to be more, but it's a balance that reminds us of God's intention for our lives. 
And as an aside, you'll hear me use the word Sabbath a lot today. If that's a new term for you, Sabbath is a time that can be observed and is marked by going without work. Many faiths incorporate this practice into the lives of their peoples. Sabbath has traditionally been marked at the end of some type of work and is often associated with resting for an entire day. But Sabbath in our world doesn't necessarily have to be a whole day. Because who has a whole day to stop? If you do, I'd like to have your life. Sabbath practices are things that you participate in that bring peace and renewal to your life. They can be activities that are calm and quiet, like reading a book or prayer, or they might be activities that are very lively and cause a lot of movement and activity, like a hike or an exercise class or going out with friends. What is work to one may not be work to another. The key to Sabbath is that it's time set apart, even an hour, to create space for God. So what would it mean for us as Christians to put as much effort into Sabbath as we do into our work? That the outcomes of Sabbath would be just as important to our lives as the outcome of our work? And that we arrange our schedules in the same way that we arrange our schedules for our work? The boundaries of work are just as important as the work itself, because if we begin to overstretch our boundaries, we begin to overstretch into being God. You see, God made work and God made Sabbath on purpose. Both is vital to the human experience. Now, lately, God has been revealing to me something that I think might be a word worth worthy, worth worthy of our time together today. We will accomplish in our lifetime only a fraction of the magnificent enterprise that is God's work. Nothing we do is complete, which is a way of saying that the kingdom always lies beyond us. We cannot do everything, and there's a sense of liberation in revealing that. This enables us to do something and to do it very well. It may be incomplete, but it is a beginning, a step along the way, and an opportunity for the Lord's grace to enter and do the rest. I have this poem bit written by Bishop Ken Utner in my office. If nothing else, we should practice Sabbath because our work will actually never end. We'll never accomplish everything, so why not take a moment and smell the roses of life? to cultivate gratitude for what has been accomplished. It is not on one person's shoulders to build the kingdom of God, yet many of us live as if it is. Now, Sabbath also isn't momentary. It's about creating a culture within each of our lives that prioritizes healing and restoration. It's taken me years to realize that Sabbath isn't another to-do item on my list. If I'm in rest and I'm checking off to-do items, then I'm actually doing it wrong. One of my favorite professors at Duke Divinity School, Dr. Norman Worsba, recently wrote about Sabbath in an article. He wrote, Over the years, I've become even more convinced that the failure to practice Sabbath is doing tremendous damage to people, to communities, and to our world. 
we live in what some call the great acceleration, which is a time where everyone is trying to maximize or optimize everything. But for what? People are buying more, doing more, worrying more, and trying to just be more. But it doesn't seem to make anyone any more measurably happy. So what Sabbath asks us to do is to pause and slow down so that we don't overlook the beauty and shared graces of our life. Now, don't get me wrong, Sabbath is work too. It's a choice to stop and see God more. Now, Sabbath may not feel easy at first. Honestly, I'm not sure that it's easy for any of us. For so many of us that are embedded in this great acceleration that Dr. Wurzburg was naming, Sabbath could feel like hugging a porcupine. But I truly believe that the more we take intentional time and space to do this important Christian practice, it will show that Sabbath makes us who we are far more than any of our work ever will. And lastly, Sabbath is a communal thing. When we all are a counterculture group of people that decides to say no to the hustle and yes to healing, it says something not only about who we are, but who we choose to align ourselves with, that being God. We are connected to a God that both created and rested, and that rhythm is what we are asked to emulate together. Now, if you're sitting and listening to me and you're wondering, well, what's my Sabbath practice going to be? Know that it doesn't have to be done alone. If you're like me, being alone is both difficult and not something that brings renewal. Going on a walk with a friend, maybe being in an exercise class, cooking with my spouse, prayer, these all can be labeled a Sabbath practice if it feels like something that's rest and renewal for you. Today's passage that we read from Colossians sets the framework for what our intention should be for both work and Sabbath. The book addresses problems in the church and challenges believers to examine their lives and be transformed through the love of Jesus. I really love these verses that we read from Colossians. They're what I call the category of Bible verses called sticky note verses because they're the types of things that I'd want to put on a sticky note and put in my office or on my bathroom wall because they're reminders of God's intention for us. Paul, who wrote these part of Colossians, is continuing to show what a life raised with Christ looks like. Despite facing pressures from their culture to turn away from Jesus, the Colossian Christians have stayed faithful to the way of Jesus. Paul prays that they would grow even more in their wisdom, allowing every single part of their lives to be transformed by the gospel message. Paul tells the colossal Christians and to us that as members of this new humanity, no part of their human experience remains untouched by the loving and liberating rule of Jesus. That is whether work or rest, we are to do it in the name of our Lord. So what does it mean to take Sabbath in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? It means to take Sabbath consistently, to do so as a larger rhythm of life so that it feels sustainable. It's something that you can do over and over again 
in all seasons of your life. It is to make Sabbath a part of the Christian life, just as work should be a part of the Christian life, as we've been talking about in this series. Now, it wasn't so long ago that we at Kindred Church were celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. So how do we continue to respond to that life-changing gift of Jesus' birth? Well, we live as if it has actually happened. We believe that the faith in our heart, maybe the faith that brought you here to this moment today, has implications for all that we do and the rhythms that we choose to put in our life both in the things that feel accomplishable and the things that reset us and remind us that we are already accomplished in the eyes of God. Now, I know I've said a whole lot today. Maybe it feels like you're drinking out of a fire hose. I'm pretty sure that we could spend a whole month talking about Sabbath and its important role in our life. But I do hope that you will leave with your wheels just turning about the idea of Sabbath, and that you will remember these things. Your Sabbath practices are your own. They don't have to look like your neighbors. Sabbath is a protest. It's done in the name of the Lord because it intentionally works against society's constant hustle that the world tells us to be in. Sabbath is a process. It's not meant to be perfected, but attempted consistently. And last but not least, Sabbath is holy work. It creates holy in our lives, and when done in community, brings holy into our world. To practice Sabbath is a disciplined and faithful process to remember that you are not the one who keeps the world running, and yet are also invaluable to God, both at work and at rest. We are not the Messiah, but those who execute God's intentions in the world, one of those being God's intention for Sabbath and for rest. When we are to model both God's intention for work and Sabbath, our co-laborers on earth will not only see us, but see God. Let us pray. O God, Help us to bring Sabbath into our lives. As Paul sought to remind the Colossians, we all want to have this process in our life and to have it done in your name, O Lord. Let us bring Sabbath into our schedules as a way of resetting ourselves to who you intended us to be. Let your wisdom be in our hearts and help us to see that our work is a step along the way, but so is our rest. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Minoka, for that's a good word. Uh, well, friends, just a few things here quickly for us before we go. Uh, if you're new to Kindred Church, I would love to connect with you. And the best way to do that is if you'll click connect uh, in the, you see the link in the in the description here, uh, fill out the short form. I'll reach out to you later this week to say, hey, I look forward to that. Um, also, if you're local, we would love to see you in in-person worship. You can go to our website. It's kindrednc.church and, and get all the details about in-person worship. Uh, and finally, uh, all 
always, always, always remember to click the announcements link in the, in the description that you see here that will keep you up to speed and, and up to date on ways that you can be engaged with us and, and keep growing in your faith with us here uh, at, at Kindred. Uh, we're coming up on an exciting season, the, the season of Lent, this 40-day season that leads up to Easter, uh, is about to begin. It will begin actually later this week on Ash Wednesday, February 22nd. And so we have a, a lot of ways for you to engage in the season of Lent and, and grow in your faith with us with us uh, through that season. So definitely check all of that out. Uh, you'll find that in the newsletter linked uh, with the announcements in our description. Uh, so with that, friends, remember that we love you and we hope you have a great week and may the peace of Christ be with you. Thanks for tuning in. If this message was meaningful to you, consider sharing it with a friend who might also find it meaningful. To support this ministry, to get involved with Kindred Church, or to learn more about us, check out our website, kindrednc.church. We hope you have a great week.